Welcome to the Monday Night Scores, the wrestling podcast covering the epic battle for rating supremacy between WWF Raw and WCW Monday Nitro. We relive the war skirmish by skirmish to decide which show we think should have won the fight for viewing figures that week. We then reveal which show actually did take the gold in the Nielsen ratings using our golden envelope. We're all square in the head-to-head ratings battle with the scores tied up tighter than a Bret Hart lockup at 6-6. Following on from the WWF's ratings flop pay-per-view, In Your House Six Seasons beatings, this episode sees us pick up the action on both companies' shows the following night. But we'll start by introducing ourselves. I am one of your hosts, my name is Steve, and I am, as always, joined by a man who this last week started a campaign to lobby the Premier League into introducing a second VAR to oversee any and all of the decisions made by the existing VAR whilst being operated exclusively by him. It's the one and only Nick Pickett, Jim! All right, Jim. Yeah, you've had a pretty time to come up with new ones of them, haven't you? It was a nice intro, that one. Oh, there is a bank. There is a bank full now, my friend. Very good, very good. <laughs> and I'm also joined by a man who thinks that to overlook Everton when compiling a list of the so-called top six clubs, despite the fact that they sit third in the all-time English Football League table, is, and I quote, lost pissing disgrace. It's lost Liam. All right, Liam. Hello. <laughs> very, uh, very true statement you've just spoken oh, there, uh, Steve. Unbelievable. Scandalous. Scandalous from them, the so-called top six. What a joke. What a joke. All right, Jim, don't threaten me with another VAR debate. I'll get you placed in history with some cultural reference points before you start getting all pissy. Let's set the scene. The date is the 18th of December, 1995. This week, Wallace and Gromit, a close shave, the third in the series after a grand day out on the wrong trousers, premiered on BBC Two. It was a Christmas TV festive period. No, okay, fine. Final Fight 3 was released on the SNES. I don't know anything about this game, so I assume it was all based on the never-ending Kid Razor feud that also wouldn't seem to end, despite all logic suggesting that it should. And OMC released the smash hit Gold Dust tribute song, How Bizarre, which included the line, <laughs> Every time I look around, it's in my face. Gold Dust would approve. right now we know what we're watching on the telly with the whole family on christmas eve what we were button mashing to on our games consoles and what we were singing along to without ever stopping to think about just how dodgy some lyrics are let's see how vince and eric are gonna compete with that lot there'll be stomach churning in memorandum-esque musical slow-mo send-offs Logic-defying victories for, are you kidding me, Ric Flair rip-offs, but still no appearances from the best blue blood fake tough. God damn it, Leroy, let's get cracking. And we kick off with WWF Raw, live from the Bob Carpenter Centre in Newark, Delaware. Our senses are immediately assaulted by a typical WWF film trailer-style recap of last night's events at In Your House, and, as ever, the production team managed to make everything appear far more exciting than it actually was. Stutter frame-rate crossfades of Henry O. Godwin dropping Triple H into the hog pen's mud and gold dust snarling in his promo are dramatised by Vince's I've-just-had-four-coffees announcer voice, along with some bombastic cinematic music. The titles hit as Vince's larynx goes full cheese grater, and we head to the arena. We 
learn that we'll get Yokozuna taking on Mr. Fondue himself, Razor Machismo Ramon tonight. The guitar riffing of the raw theme is interrupted by the perfectly judged, slow, ambling, go-away heat-inducing country music of the recently returned Double J Jeff Jarrett, who's carrying his trademark acoustic guitar and whose red and white cowboy hat with 3D Double J's and shoulder extender jacket mean he's wearing more pleather than you'd find in HBK's sex dungeon on a Friday night. Mercifully, Fatu's upbeat hip-hop beat tit and the crowd pops. Fatu dances his way around the ring on entry and gets referee Tim White to join in. And Tim White dances exactly as you'd expect Tim White to dance, but Fatu kindly doesn't rinse him. He has a nice time and we move on. We kick He's off with not some... very fly for a white guy. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> That's what you're trying to tell us. That's a high hey. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. We're back. <laughs> we kick off with some rope running rapid action as the lads on comms discuss Jarrett's assault on Ahmed Johnson last week in a bout of face palming foreshadowing. Fatu misses with a super kick as Jarrett ducks, then cracks out his fantastic cocky two finger in both hands strut taunt, which Fatu has absolutely none of, and floors the country star with some big punches and a headbutt, before dropping a I still don't know how this is legal leg drop to Jarrett's groin and mimicking the Jarrett strut as Double J rolls out of the ring to the crowd's delight. The two go back and forth with Jeff executing a lovely swinging neckbreaker to take control, before heelishly maximising the four and a half count to choke Fatu on the middle rope a few times. Then he plants the future Rikishi torso first into the steel steps, damaging his shoulder. In control now, Jarrett lands a couple of second rope double axe handles and huge Irish whips whilst mugging it to the crowd, taking far too long before delivering a third axe handle, which allows Fatu to counter and then deliver a cracking sequence of moves. A big scoop power slam, a huge back body drop, a massive running clothesline into the turnbuckle-based Jarrett that Vince ruins by calling a choo-choo train, followed by a backbreaker into a near fall. (laughs) Fatu's weakened by the axe handle shoulders, then seems to give way as he plants Double J with a cutter. The wily Jared seizes his opportunity and sends Fatu shoulder first into the ring post. This one looks like it's all done, but in flies the vengeance-seeking Ahmed Johnson, who tries to batter Jarrett, but Jarrett's too sharp and prevents a full beatdown by grabbing the top rope after a Johnson whip and escaping out of the back and down the gangway, all of which gives Double J the win by DQ as Johnson consoles the injured Fatu to send us out. We then treat it to a Gorilla Monsoon promo as the interim president is being... Has, he, has there ever been an interim president that's been uh, interim for this length of time? Or is it... There's, there's, there's not even any talk of replacing him, is there? No! He's, he's, interim president. <laughs> he's, he's, he's there for the foreseeable. <laughs> Just, they're just doing it so they can underpay him. That's all it is, and he's falling for it, Monsoon. Yeah, they're fucking him, aren't they? <laughs> anyway, he's being interviewed by none other than Doc Hendricks. We find out that we're going to get Bret Hart versus The Undertaker for the title at the Rumble. Great stuff. Jarrett's proclamation last night that he'd be the first man in the Rumble is debunked by Monsoon, who says he might have thrown his hat in the ring for the Rumble, but I'm throwing it out. He's going to go one-on-one with Ahmed Johnson instead. Shock horror. Monsoon finishes by saying that the Rumble is going to be great because we'll have entrants from the past and names you've never heard before. Oh, that, that sounds that sounds terrible, Gorilla. That sounds absolutely awful. <laughs> I, I'm out. <laughs> names from the past and names I've never heard. It's, it's like a band doing like, here's a new song. <laughs> Shit. Did you uh, doc doc here? Um, 
he said that there was millions of names wanting a place in the Rumble, wasn't he? So it's a good job. This wasn't WCW, so because they would have granted uh, a, a million people in the Royal Rumble, wouldn't they? <laughs> millions of names. I wonder if Super Assassin 1 and 2 turn up. <laughs> they have to. They get, if, there's, if there's any kind of Battle Royal on the go, they're in. <laughs> Out of sync. <laughs> Oh, the Todster as well. He's been uh, the t- the Todster has been given a backseat this week, hasn't he? I know. He's, I been, know what's uh, he's done. been the main guy on the interviews, hasn't he? I know. He's, yeah. He, yeah. Maybe he's just exhausted. He's, just, he's been putting up, been putting a shift in. It's like Main Gene on Nitro. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. After a break, we get an absolutely superb promo from Goldust. Yes, another one. Who's gone full creep in his bid to unnerve Razor Ramon. Honestly, try watching this without like shivering in horror. It is fan bloody tastic and just leaps and bounds ahead of anything else we've got going on promo-wise in the uh, in, in the WWF at the moment. Right, up next we get uh, another dose of Buddy Landell after his uh, brief appearance in your house last night. Um, but strangely, nothing is mentioned about this appearance from comms. So if you didn't watch the recent pay-per-view, you're probably sat here thinking, why is there a Ric Flair imposter knocking about on Raw? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, his opponent time. for the evening. His opponent for the evening is none other than Bob Sparkplug Holly. Get in. During Holly's entrance... Doc Hendricks takes this opportunity to flog you the WrestleMania game, which comes with, apparently, a tape containing all of the codes that you need to beat the computer. And it got me thinking here, how difficult is a wrestling game like you? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not Metal Gear Solid. You, you surely don't need... You surely don't need additional help to, to, What's the to sort this out. Yeah. Where are the secrets? <laughs> the cheat and the riders. Yeah. Just hit his finisher. Just hit his finisher. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable flogging anything here. Tap L1 like it's not tomorrow. Is it that's a selling point as well? Buy this game because we've just made it easy for you to win. Buy this game so you can yeah. just waltz to the finish and you never, <laughs> never pick yeah. it up again. <laughs> Unbelievable. <Visible>. Unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, back in the ring and we kick off things. Uh, and straight away, I'm drawn to the two horrendous barnets that we have on show here, <laughs> and these are up. These are up. These are up there with a very worse, I reckon. I can't decide which is more offensive. It's like we've gone back into the eighties here with it with these two. Easily. It's unbelievable. It's like an Abba tribute act. It's, it's shocking. <laughs> anyway, anyway, back to the action. Uh, Holly hits a couple of arm drags in the early exchanges before we finally get some uh, offense from Buddy Landell. <laughs> He, uh, he lands a number of punches to Holly while he's in the corner uh, before he sends Holly to the opposite corner with a vicious Irish whip. Mm. Uh, we follow this with a couple of stints in Rest Old City here. Landell targets <laughs> the arm of Holly uh, before landing some chops that his doppelganger would be proud of <laughs> uh, before going back to work on the legs of Holly this time. It feels very outdated, this, doesn't oh, it? It's, it's, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like just... a tribute to the 80s, this, with all just your, your submission holds and your mat wrestling and... Yeah, yeah I, I was I was bored very easily, as were the audience, you know, absolute crickets in the yeah, audience. totally flat. Holly halts proceedings, though. He lands a nice-looking bulldog, and the two exchange a number of blows before Holly lands a nice-looking hurricane runner as Landell bounces back from the ropes. Landell then fails to sell consecutive clotheslines from Holly. It's not the best showing here from Landell, if I'm being honest. very stale, and the, uh, the local tumbleweed merchant would be raking it in here, I think. <laughs> The finish we get then, um, Holly attempts a drop kick as Landell comes back from the ropes, but anticipating this, Landell hooks the rope and avoids the contact. With Holly on the canvas, Landell lands a corkscrew elbow drop that gets the one, two, three. 
the uh, the crowd finally get involved here at the very end and break into cheering. Uh, and I'm not sure if that's an acknowledgement to Landell or because this contest has finally come to a close. <laughs> and I'm guessing it's the latter. <laughs> Shit. Um, this was this was seven minutes of just <laughs> sour, rancid wrestling, wasn't it? Seven <laughs> minutes dedicated to this. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> you are correct. Seven minutes dedicated to this. Oh, just I can't get over Landell. It's awful. And why is he winning? I know, I know. This was, I was a guest. I was, I never, I never saw this coming in a million years. No, I, I know. I'd have put, I'd have put my. Why have you got a buddy Landell? <laughs> Absolutely crushing your up and coming star. <laughs> yes, it's for me. Landell, he got like thirty seconds worth of uh, work at the uh, pay per view, and he's he's got seven minutes here on Raw. I know. What a couple he of pay him seven minutes. <laughs> oh man! Oh dire! Absolutely diabolical. Following this, then following this uh, this entertaining contest, we get the brother love show just to wake the crowd back up. And <laughs> uh, this week, this week, Ted DiBiase <laughs> is the guest on the show. It's not even an interesting guest. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's, what are they doing here? What are they doing? Shit about as the guest. <laughs> <laughs> The embarrassed borrower, he's got, he's got Ted DiBiase uh, joining him this week to chew the fat. Um, and this time we do get a full recap of the incidents f- uh, involving the corrupt Santa Claus with Ted DiBiase informing the viewers that this isn't Santa Claus, it's Xanta Claus. I mean, fucking hell. Who is apparently from the South Pole. <laughs> who, who, who's asked? <laughs> who's bothered? <laughs> who's bothered? Yeah, people aren't asking where he's from. They're asking why the hell does he exist? <laughs> Why are we dedicating time to Why this? Why is he on Raw? Think about what you're saying here, Ted. <laughs> anyway. Think about it. It's the evil it's Santa Claus from Santa, the South. Pole. How did he come across him? And he thought, I've got just the job for you. I'll slip you some cash. <laughs> I want you to go and ruin season's beatings for everyone. Absolutely. Just a Savio Vegas segment. Just I don't like the main event or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable, this. Oh, anyway... Let's get through this. Uh, we get some spiel then from uh, from DiBiase about how Xanta is going to go around doing the the million dollar corporations bidding before DiBiase tells us that 1996 is going to be the year of the million dollar corporation and he predicts that it's going to be the year of the million dollar champion. They both embraced here and thankfully it's a much shortened brother love show this week. Still too long. Following that pile of dreck, the, uh, we move on to <laughs> it's Razor Ramon versus Yoko Zuna for the Intercontinental title, as been uh, alluded to earlier. Um, not seen Yoko Zuna win many matches recently, so this is a big, if not uh, undeserved, opportunity from the man from kind of Japan. Um, <laughs> big match, obviously, and there's there's, there's, a, there's there's a big name out in the crowd to watch. It's Goldust. Get the in. bizarre ones out. He's a uh, as we've said again, he's has been alluded to on the, the pay-per-view and earlier in this show, he's taken a bit of a shine to, uh, to Razor Ramon, hasn't he? And he just... Yeah, Razor, Razor wasn't very happy about the attention Goldust has been paying him and he's uh, he's going to be even more pissed off here as Razor's in the ring. He's getting his back, expecting his pyro to go off and the bizarre one's rigged it, hadn't he? So the pyro doesn't go. He's swapped out with some uh, some golden confetti. So, uh, so Razor receives... <laughs> 
a golden shower of sorts before <laughs> before the match has, has begun. That's not what you want, is it? Um, Every time I turn around, it's in my face. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Razor is confused by this by the, by the skullduggery with the pyro, and this allows Yokozuna to jumpstart the match, gains an early advantage. He's not in the ascendancy for long, though, but the in-ring action is barely focused on for the early part of the match as the camera repeatedly cuts to Goldust, who's watching out by the by the video wall up at the top of the gangway. Um, yeah, I just fucking love Goldust. This outrageous, this outrageous-looking person who's just sitting there all deadly serious. Like he's, know, he's, he's really great. watching this, <laughs> taking himself so seriously, despite him looking absolutely obscene. I mean, this would be the easiest character possible to just make the shittest thing ever. Like, he does so well, because as you say, playing it fucking... Like die straight as this like this is the most serious thing in the world. It's it's amazing, absolutely amazing. I mean, this we got this on one side, and seconds ago we had Buddy Landell. Like it's 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 like we're in the Twilight Zone, <laughs> you know. Back in the ring, back in the ring, it's largely a one way traffic. As York was doing, dominating for 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 the majority of the early parts. Razor Mountain, the odd short-lived comeback in between. Uh, there's a spot in the middle where Razor hits Yokozuna with a few right hands. Uh, Yokozuna's wobbling, can't get him off bed. He's staying on his feet, teeing Razor up to take a big swing. He finally knocks this 641-pounder to the ground. Um, Razor then goes for a pin, and, and he gets a rope break. And I thought, like, surely Yokozuna's going to be kicking out there. Like, I know he's, I know, I know we're kind of kind of making out the Razor's kind of, you know, a bit of a serious player, but at the same time, man of of, of Yokozuna's 641 pounds, he almost be the king of the first wrestler to lose a match after getting punched, <laughs> punched. a couple of times. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> punched after a couple of minutes. Um, but so, you know, he, he recovers from this, does Yokozuna, and he, he's, he's back on top not long after... Um, which again, tees up another big comeback from Razor, who's, who's spurred on by the crowd chatting USA. It struck me as odd as, isn't Razor supposed to be like from Cuba or Puerto Rico or somewhere? <laughs> yeah, he de- he's definitely, yeah, um, Latino heritage, certainly, yeah. Yeah, he's, he, he doesn't speak with an American accent, does he? <laughs> no, his, no, his, no. His no. gimmick. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was a little confused. Unless maybe I'm making a mistake there, but I, was, I don't know. I've been swaying by the accent. Um, the comeback, it, it, it takes us into the... Uh, in what is a, a bogus, a nonsensical finish, as it starts off with another another big effort from Razor to knock over his sides by opponent, which he achieves with a flying clothesline. He's then whipped into the corner before getting a boot up into the charge in Yokozuna's face, and he climbs the turnbuckle to deliver a bulldog. Uh, at this point, the lights in the arena begin to flicker, and out comes the Undertaker. Is, haven't we? So last night, Undertaker was having this square off with. With uh, Diesel, wasn't he after he was. his after his, his pay per view win over Mabel? Yeah, and then Gorilla Monsoon's made the title match earlier in the, in the show, and now here he comes to run in on the yeah. It was so the he's, main event he's, here he's with... taking on Bret Hart. Yeah, he's got he's, he's got he's, he's all side knows who he's knows who's wrestling at the pay per view all side. Yeah, he's got irons in a fire, hasn't he? If, oh, yeah. if the Bret Hart thing's going on, yeah. the Diesel thing's going on. Maybe the Mabel thing could be rekindled. There's irons in the fire, so I don't know what he's doing, biting off a bit more here, but nevertheless. <laughs> He's, he knows what he's doing. I'll leave him to it. He's coming charging at the ring as the Undertaker. He's, he's wheeling out the coffin from the pay-per-view last night, the rhino coffin that, that Mabel and um, King Mo were, were, were laid to rest in. 
So they're getting good, they're getting their money's worth, getting their money's <laughs> worth out the coffin. The Undertaker, he, he manoeuvred this coffin much uh, more efficiently than Sir Mo did the other week, if you remember. <laughs> he did. He's, a, he's, he's, he's an experienced shopper. He's an ex- <laughs> He'd, he'd, be a, he'd be a wizard around the aisles of Asda would, it, would Super, supermarket sweet he'd be, he'd be the this one was, this, was wheeled, this was wheeled down elegantly this first place <laughs> yeah. you could trust him you could trust him in the Saturday yeah, morning oh yeah, yeah. big shop yeah he'd be, he'd be number one on the big shop list <laughs> every while this is happening Vince is confused at first he calls the light flicker in a technical difficulty then when the camera does cut to him he goes wait a second that's not a technical difficulty it's the Undertaker Coming to claim Yokozuna's soul. <laughs> um, how did Vince that. know? How did Vince know that's what the Undertaker was there for? I know, I know. He sees a man with a coffin. He's, he's got to be claiming someone's soul. How, how come it's not razors? I know, totally. Why is he not coming for razors? Why is he not coming for your soul, Vince? <laughs> yeah, well, if, if Vince knew it, Undertaker, sorry, Yokozuna knew it too, and he, he soon scarpers. He knew his soul was uh, about to be taken. Didn't want that to happen, so off he runs, uh, leaving Razor alone in the ring to win by countouts. What a big pile of fucking <laughs> random toilets! <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I can't say much more there, but apart from Undertaker, he's got a lot in his plate, and it, it was good of him, though. I thought it was good of him, given that he was always planning to come for Yokozuna's soul. I presume he was, he was building that up all night. Well. You know, for a while, it's not something you just decide to do on the spur of the moment, is it? So Surely it's not, good to no, see. He let, no. the, he, he let the fans have a bit of a wrestling match yeah, first exactly. before he, he didn't just come out and take the soul straight away. I'll do it in the back. But he yeah. didn't do it in the locker room when he was getting changed. I, I prime no. time goes soul end. He's not expecting it. Yeah, he's pulling no, on tights on. Him to do yeah. it. Right. He wanted the people to get their money's worth. He? Like <laughs> he did with the coffin. He wanted the people to enjoy a bit of a main event before he got the soul. <laughs> well done, Undertaker. Well done, Taker. Very courteous. <laughs> Fantastic. So Razor, who hasn't had to do much there to retain his title, he hasn't had to, to fully exert himself. No Razor's edge had to be delivered to Yokozuna. Um, oh no, barely broke the sweat. So he's got plenty in the tank for this interview he's got coming up. Uh, so Razor, again, he's just retained the Intercontinental title in incomprehensible circumstances. <laughs> with a man who is dead, interrupting <laughs> the match, wheeling out a graffitied coffin that just 24 hours ago contained both of King Mabel and Sir Mo on the premise that he was going to claim the soul of Razor's opponent. <laughs> so it seems obvious then that Doc Hendricks' only real question in this interview is, how are you handling it that Goldust has taken a liking to you? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the it. only noteworthy thing that's just happened <laughs> recently. Spot on. Uh, Razor tells us that Razor only likes women, and he says that actually Razor only likes women <laughs> in the third person. <laughs> I love it. It reminded oh. me of the buzzard. <laughs> the buzzard. <laughs> straight, it's what I thought of straight away when he said it. <laughs> buzzard only eats free meals. Yeah. Kitchen nightmares fame. <laughs> <laughs> Sacked by Gordon Ramsay, even though Gordon Ramsay didn't even run the restaurant. Like <laughs> <laughs> it down the street with two bottles of wine and about fifteen Angus beef joints <laughs> at about seven pm. <laughs> Clinking with all the silverware in his pockets. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to go there, but we did. We have. We have. I'm glad we did as well. <laughs> Spot on. One of the finer episodes of Kitchen Nightmares. Oh, um, but yeah. Best. Razor only likes women and he won't be reciprocating Goldust advances and this is all happening on a what has ostensibly been a children's television. <laughs> yeah. Santa Claus that the evil Santa was on previously now we've got a <laughs> now we've, we've got blatant sexual harassment <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah 
Of course, we learned about the fact that Goldust had taken a liking to Razor Ramon at the In Your House pay-per-view the previous evening when, when the bizarre one handed the bad guy a letter detailing all his, you know, how much he liked him and whatever else. And those details were not revealed to us. But then Doc Hendricks turns full-blown tabloid journal here as he, as he presses Razor to reveal the content of said letter. But Razor, he rises above this. He's not going to lower himself to this this nonsense and respects the confidentiality of private correspondence and and, as, and thus refuses to uh, divulge any any sort of details. Handle um, himself with class here, Razor. Handle himself with class. Top marks. He really has he really has come out of this looking well. We cut back to, to Vince and King. Uh, Vince refers to this budding angle between the two as, as one of the most appalling things <laughs> we've seen in the WWF. A man who certainly does not handle himself with class. Well done, Vince. You've really <laughs> fucking rolled the tone. I think Buddy Dandel's hurdo is more appalling than the. Uh, <laughs> the there's there's multiple things that I can I can consider to be more appalling than, totally. than what you just referred just to. Just that we've seen the tonight. Brother Love Show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it, it's soon to be relegated to second on that list anyway. As we sign out this fucking this, oh, this horrendous TV program oh, with a comedy show Michael's obituary montage. <laughs> Shit. This, I mean, I couldn't bring myself. To what it, it's getting too much. This it's the same nonsense week in week out. It's getting way too much. This is the um, worst one. Though. Gone, this is the worst. This was one. so egregious. They've gone way too far. It's horrendous. It's vile. <laughs> um, it's a highlight reel of Shawn Michaels' career to date with with a sad song played in the background. <laughs> if you, this was the first time you're watching it, you would genuinely think this bloke's dead. <laughs> you would totally. Yeah, it was. It was again repulsive. Uh, I couldn't make it to the end, and I didn't. And no. yeah, that, that's all from Raw, everybody. So that was the December 18th, 1995 edition of Monday Night Raw. But what did we all make of it? Well, my ratings builders are... Build number one. The Gold Dust promo. Spot on again from the bizarre one. Sends shivers down your spine and I can't believe we don't get this. The quieter I talk, the more you listen. Approaching promos. Like it's so it's so obvious when you, when you see it done. Because it, every other thing is, everything's shouting, and then you just zone out and switch off. White noise, perfect Goldie, well done. Build number two, Razor and Yoko, I thought put on another pretty strong showing. I was all right with this, that's two nights in a row for old Yoko. Well played, mate. And build number three, Jarrett and Fatu was solid, save for a couple of botches, was, was sort of all right action. I was sort of scraping the barrel a bit this week. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, what were your Raw ratings builders? Uh, I think they're going to be very similar. I think Raw's in the doldrums at the moment, isn't it? It's so bad, yeah. so bad. Um, but easily, easily building number one was the Goldust promo. It's totally the league of his own, this lad. Um, when you've got you know the shambles of the one, two, three kid stumbling his way through a promo and you've got Diana Smith trying to, to stumble her way through a promo. This guy's just in a completely different league of his own. You know, he's serving up entertainment every week. Um, you know, he, we mentioned it in terms of the gimmick. He's, it's not the best gimmick, but he's, he's by half committing to it. And when you're serving up quotes like reeking of the smell of taboo, you just know that, you know. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? It's so this good. Is, this, is, this is superb. So yeah. easily building number one. Nice. Uh, builder number two, I've gone for Double J. With this now, it freshens up the roster a little bit, bringing mm. him back. Uh, we've got a different type of heel. We're trying to move away from the cartoon gimmicks of heel dentists and teachers. 
Um, and he looked he looked okay in the ring as well. So he, yeah. he, he's building number two. And then I was struggling for building number three, but although we didn't talk about it, we, we finally found out a little bit more about the Raw Bowl, which is going to take place uh, on the next episode. So <laughs> yeah. that, that, sounds, that sounds pretty good. You know, there's going to be an eight-man tag. Some big names are returning. And hopefully it's a spark that Raw desperately needs. <laughs> Love it. And Jim, what were your Raw ratings, Bill? Again, yeah, similar issues to you too, really. The barrel got a very good script. I mean, by the time we finished doing this raw thing, the barrel's going to have no resale value. It's so scraped. <laughs> so many scrapings on this barrel. It's going to be matchsticks. Um, <laughs> my build number one, uh, same as Liam, Goldust. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of alarm bells going off about this angle they're setting up with uh, Ibn Razor Ramon. <laughs> yeah, the, the most, what, what did Vince do call it? The most despicable angle <laughs> or whatever. But the, <laughs> The most appalling things we've seen in WWF, and then he <laughs> topped it with the Shawn Michaels thing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, alarm bells going off all the angle, but the guy himself is uh, fantastic. Yeah. Building number two, and this could be a bit controversial, but I've gone with it anyway. It's, it's Buddy Landell getting a win. So, <laughs> whoa. No strong feelings yeah, about right. Buddy Landell. No strong feelings about Buddy. And I, I appreciate all the things that have been said. I, I, they're all true. I wouldn't contest any of them. But I absolutely, in a million years, did not see this coming. So it was nice to get a, a genuine surprise in that sense. Cause you could, yeah, it's, it's usually very easy to telegraph the results in this. And, and this, I, I did not see. His finisher was a jumping elbow drop. Like, that was... That's what I mean. And when he won with that, I was like, that's just enough. Oh, he's, What's he going on? The, the shock. You know what I mean? <laughs> genuine surprise fair enough fair enough I, I can see where you're coming from it's just not nice to be surprised every now and again um, <laughs> yeah yeah it's true <laughs> and then building number three served with a hefty hefty dose of wood splinters so again from the scrapings of the barrel um, and I'll stop flogging that dead horse now is the <laughs> the opener of the night double jade for two uh, I thought it was entertaining stuff served up from Two very capable practitioners. Very good indeed. So over to the killers. And my killers are... It, it can't be anything else, can it? It's it's the HBK musical faux death tribute. Uh, absolutely awful. Never again. This is this is beyond heinous. And I'm sure you two are both going to pick up on it, so I'll stop it there. Killer number two. Buddy Landell's back. And he's getting a win. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what the hell? Like what? Someone doesn't like surprises. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, I was surprised. I was surprised when I saw him coming down the ramp. I was really surprised. <laughs> like, how far away would you have to be, right? How cheap would your seats have to be for you to go? Is that Ric Flair? How far? <laughs> Are we talking miles? Outside the arena. <laughs> it's scandalous. It's scandalous. The gut on him, right? Don't have him. Don't it's have him in just, pants. Just don't have him in pants. Don't have the wrestling trunks. A la Flair, right? I mean, just don't. I mean, what am I saying? Just don't do it at all. What am I talking yeah. about? Pants. Just don't have him, right? Full stop. <laughs> Do you remember that wrestling poster we we found with uh, Dragonese and Chris Whitten and all that? If you went to that show, I can't remember what the the, uh, the promotion was called. The local uh, it was uh, northeast oh, yeah. wrestling promotion yeah, was called. Was... But if you went there, you seen a bloke looking like that, you think, "Fucking hell, what <laughs> are you doing?" Maybe he's a raw get a win, get a win, get a win. He's had a pay per view appearance. Seven, and he's got seven a minute w. match on Raw. He's got a victory. He's got, he's got it's a... the longest match on Raw. <laughs> 
Oh, Christ. Zope for us all. And most of it was rest holds, obviously. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> shocking. Oh, man. And killer number three. This show had a dark match. Allow me to inform you of the participants. Bret Hart, Razor Ramon and The Undertaker defeated Isaac Yankum, <laughs> Sid and Yokozuna in a six-man tag. That was a dark match. We got this shit. And that was the dark match. Are they trying to go out of business here, WWF? It's, it's unreal, isn't it? It's like they know this is awful. What are they, and the people are going to demand doing? the money back. So we've got, we've got to put a decent match on. Get a six-man tag with all the stars on. We don't get that, though. We get Buddy pissing Landell. Having fucking heartburn. <laughs> Unbelievable. Liam, what were your raw ratings killers? Killers list at the very top. Undoubtedly, it has to be the HBK music video. Has, I mean, has to be. This, this is the cherry at the top of this whole steaming pile of manure that has been this injury storyline. I was speechless watching this. I actually sat through it. Could not believe what I was watching. I did. I just, I just, I just wrote a question mark down in my notes and just left it there. What are they doing? I'll leave it there. That, that's enough. That, 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 I don't need to elaborate on anything else. Killer number two, I've gone for Buddy Landell. As we've just mentioned, uh, the whole gimmick's awful. Um, and once once you've seen Ric Flair, you know, rise to, to his pomp doing this, you you can't turn up and think you're going to be credible, you know, coming out with a dodgy barnet and a really cheap-looking gown and a rip-off Flair music and you're trying to sell Flair's chops. It's, you know, the crowd, the crowd offered no reaction to him. The match went on for longer than it needed to. Um, and the comms didn't even introduce him properly. Like, you know, he's just turned up on Raw and everyone's just supposed to know who he is uh, if you didn't watch the pay-per-view. But yeah, seven minutes dedicated to this. Unbelievable. And killer number three, I'm going to go for the Brother Love Show. Short segment this week, but, you know, when you're, when you're dragging in a manager to interview, you've got Ted DiBiase on and he's, you know, talking about uh, an evil Santa. Uh, I think that sums it. I think that sums it up for Raw this week. Fair enough. And Jim, what were your Raw ratings killers? So for me, killer, I, I've purposefully avoided the obvious here. Fair. The uh, the montage. Couldn't even bring yourself to talk about it in the killers. It was that bad. No, terrible. Um, killer number one for me. So obviously, that is the main killer. This this stuff I'm about to say is nowhere near as bad as this. Just as a caveat. Yeah. But um, killer number one is the finish of the main event. So not even attempt, not even attempt for this to make sense. Just too much going on with the Undertaker. Can't keep up with it all. Killer number two, the interview with Razor after the match. So again, no qualms with you know Razor's performance at the content of what Razor was coming out with, but. Um, the, the the concept of the angle again is, is just especially dubious. The excellent message we're sending to the to the younger viewers I know, here, I know. and then finally, killer number three, same as you, Liam. It's Ted DiBiase's appearance on the the Brother Love Show. I mean, these segments have all been bad, but have tended to at least serve a purpose with someone you give a shit about. And, and don't get me wrong, <laughs> this segment was also bad, but it was seemingly done just for the sake of it.
So that was Raw, but what about Nitro? We are live, as we always are on Nitro, as Alec Bischoff will not stop telling you. From the Augusta Richmond County Civic Centre in Augusta, Georgia, home of the Masters, as Eric tells us once again. He obviously plays golf this land, he's very happy he's here. Backlit by the pyro and strobe lights, we head to the lads on the comms table, where we join Eric, Bobby and Mongo, who is holding, and let's get this out of the way quickly, a Mexican outfit complete with sombrero, charro suit and bandana clad Pepe the dog. Mercifully, as Mongo starts to tell us about Pepe's clobber, he's interrupted by... Alundra Blaze, the current WWF Women's Champ. She's here on Nitro. She tells the comms lads to can it, which is a great gag, considering what's about to come. She then turns to Mongo and Pepe and says, You too, bad dog, <laughs> which was fucking amazing. <laughs> you have a fan here. She introduces herself, not as Alundra Blaze, but as Medusa, as she says. And she says she's always been Medusa and always will be Medusa. She's wearing a couldn't-be-more-different-from-her-usual-garb black leather waistcoat and is holding the WWF women's title belt. She's captured by a conveniently placed camera, which is on the side of the comms table. It's almost like they knew what was going to happen. Stepping back to pick up a conveniently placed waste paper bin. Why is that at the, on the comms, you know, fucking announce table just off to the side, but never mind. Um, into which she drops the rival company's title belt, saying, and that's what I think of the WWF Women's Championship belt. Shock fucking horror. She says she's now here in WCW where the big boys play and now it's where the big girls play before exiting stage left. The lads on comms can't believe it. With Mongo saying, seat covers just got sucked up on that one in Connecticut, didn't they? That's grim, Mongo. Never say that again. How is that? No. That's, that's <laughs> no. Awful. Mongo <laughs> says, has to ruin it. He just doesn't eat. He fucking does. Can't He's, help himself. <laughs> Mongo says he's sick of all these wrestlers just coming up to the announcer stage as and when they fucking please. So he's brought in some help to stop him doing it. It's only NFL legend William the Refrigerator Perry. Seems like a big step down for him becoming Mongo's bouncer, doesn't it? But anyway, here he is. Heenan brilliantly gets a handshake from Fridge, which he sells like he's got a sharpshooter on him. You know, getting to get over <laughs> Fridge's strength. Absolutely awesome. Well played, Bobby Heenan. Anyway, we kick off with our first bout, and we have a cracker in store. We've got the nature boy himself, Ric Flair. Not not a shadow. Not Buddy Landell. Not Buddy fucking Landell. And seeing him back to back, what a difference. <laughs> and, he's, and he is taking on, nailed on, TMNS future Hall of Famer, Eddie Guerrero, who's already in the ring and doesn't get an entrance. Sheesh. The two circle each other as Flair pauses to gold the crowd. Fucking great. We get underway finally. Nope. Flair stops again, this time to sort his hair out. Woo! And bounce onto the ropes to get another pop from the crowd. I haven't timed it. I really should have done, but we're looking at minutes now and nothing's happened. But it's fantastic. Um, the two tangle, break, woo a bit, then mat wrestling fits and starts with neither really getting a hold. It's got a real sort of big match feel building up to something cracking this, which Flair, you know, he just can't help but create, can he? He can do this with fucking, he probably could do this with Buddy Landell, let alone Eddie Guerrero, but <laughs> it's much better doing it with someone who's decent like Eddie Guerrero. Flair dodges a punch by grabbing the rope, then woos to celebrate his ingenuity, but Eddie gives him a drop kick in the back for his cockiness. A few drop toe holds fell Flair a few times in really 
really rapid succession before a slap in the face, followed by a mock taunt of Flair's strut from Eddie, gets a huge pop from the crowd as Flair is livid and he rolls out of the ring to recover and pep talks himself into starting to take this lad seriously. And he does, but Eddie's too quick. We get multiple drop kicks that connect with Flair before uh, the Nature Boy avoids one by locking into the ropes and he tries to take advantage, but Eddie reverses it into a pin. The pace doesn't let up until Flair starts to take control. A big jumping knee to the face from Flair, the one that Triple H brilliantly uh, nicks and uses uh, to great effect in, uh, in, in the future. And he rolls as he lands and we get a chop versus punch off. Eddie's in control now. A huge diving, swinging DDT from the second row plants Flair on the top of his head and gets a two count. Up to the top goes Eddie, but Flair dives onto the ropes, causing Guerrero to fall to the outside and twist his knee, which he sells by saying, ah, ah, my knee, <laughs> which it, 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 it wasn't needed as he has pointed it out to us. But I don't blame Eddie for taking matters into his own hands because after weeks of the comms just pretty much ignoring his bout, he's obviously watched the tapes back and gone, well, I have to commentate and let the crowd know myself. So fair play, mate. The dirtiest player in the game takes advantage and stomps Guerrero's knee against the steel barricade. This, I don't know why more don't do this. This looks fan safe, but fantastic because Flair sort of hits the barricade with his own foot as he does it. Oh, just looks at it and Guerrero sells it brilliantly. Just top notch all round. Some nasty chops follow and sorry, some nasty chops and punches follow as Flair has had enough and senses his opportunity senses his opportunity to put Eddie away. Back in the ring, holding his knee is Eddie as Flair goes in for the kill. Gets really nasty here, Flair, and applies the figure four. And as the ref checks to see if Guerrero wants to give up, Flair gets illegal leverage by reaching right back and using the top rope. The nature boy maintains the hold, releasing it as the ref turns around like Bugs Bunny rinsing Elmer Fudd. And then as he starts slapping and roughhousing Eddie's face as they both sort of sit up towards one another, showing his main heelish streak as only Flair can. No! screams Eddie as he drops back resisting the hold. The ref goes back to check on him and as he does so, Flair again seizes his opportunity, re-grabs the top rope and it's too much for Eddie. This time passes out, flat on his back and then the ref counts to three, pinning him as Nate takes the victory. As the bell rings, the battery enters to celebrate with his horseman stable mate. See what I did there? Mean Gene also enters to interview Flair and Arn. And as he does so, Flair sticks another stomp on the still prone Eddie, <laughs> which Gene catches in the corner of his eye and rounds on Flair. Hey, knock it off! Like a teacher chastising a naughty kid. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. <laughs> Cracks me right up. Flair doesn't listen, so Gene appeals to Arn to start, try and stop Flair, but Double A just ignores Mean Gene and cracks on with his promo, explaining why they jumped Paul Orndorff last week. As Flair starts to join in with the promo, Taskmaster and Jimmy Hart enter. At this point, I gave up. Basically, Old Yeller doesn't care about them taking out Orndorff, as he meant nothing to him, apparently. A bit harsh and one of her supposed dungeon members. Um, but he is annoyed at Brian Pillman being a loose cannon and wants the other horsemen to keep him on a short leash, as he keeps saying. But Flair and Arn say they'll back Pillman any day of the week because he's a horseman. Uh, so Taskmaster and Jimmy just leave. And that was it. So it looks like we'll have some kind of heel-on-heel action coming up soon. But that's that. Back up to comms, and the lads are discussing what we've just seen, and they're interrupted by Craig Pitbull Pittman. And he arrives on the announced stage, mic in hand to interrupt the lads. As he starts speaking, good day, gentlemen, he then completely forgets he needs to keep the mic near his face and just drops his... His, his hand holding the mic so he just starts to talk and fade away until we can't he's ridiculous 
Bischoff <laughs> quite cleverly and quickly actually fixes it. And, uh, and he basically, uh, he grabs the mic from him and says, hey, if you've got something to say, let me hold the mic for you so we can all hear. And, and we rattle on quite quickly. Well done there. That was uh, pretty decent, that, from, from old Eric. Pittman basically wants Bobby Heenan to be his manager. So he's, he's decided to accost him live in the middle of a broadcast rather than in the locker room. But anyway, um, Bobby says he doesn't do that anymore as he's a broadcast journalist, which I liked. <laughs> but, but, yeah. I, I think... Uh, I think Pittman uh, Pittman finds acting hard, doesn't he? Oh, it's a. I mean, as we all know, it's a it's a challenge, yeah. right? But but Pittman, it is a challenge, and I think Pittman I think he really would agree struggles. with that as well. Yeah, he, he's he's not good, is he? This is this is this is bad. <laughs> this is really bad. Anyway, uh, Bobby says he doesn't do that anymore. Um, managing that is, um, but he will put him onto someone who can handle his situation, uh, someone smart like Jimmy Hart who can handle his finances and that kind of thing. And Pitbull, with no leverage whatsoever, says that if he doesn't get help soon, he won't take any prisoners. And we head to a break, and that's the last we see tonight. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> damp squib. Up next, we've got Lex Luger, accompanied uh, by Jimmy Hart, and he's going up against Marcus Alexander Bagwell, who's alongside Scotty Riggs. Bagwell's already in the ring in this one, and he's he's a very well-conditioned chap, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Uh, Bagwell. You know, yeah. he, he puts Luger to shame here in terms of yeah. physicality, yeah, which point. is uh, it's a very rare thing to do. Um, anyway, Luger enters, and he's, he, like I say, he's accompanied by a, a jovial Jimmy Hart, who skips out alongside him. Um, and early on in this, Bagwell, he demonstrates some some nice-looking offence. He, he reverses a Luger hold, and then using Marty Gennetti's favourite move, the monkey flip, <laughs> he catapults the total package in the air and follows this up with a drop kick. Bagwell then, he, he hits another drop kick to Luger, this time as the total package is in conversation with Jimmy Hart on the side of the apron, and this sends Luger to the outside where he badly sells falling into the guardrail. <laughs> I mean, he, 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 can't, he can't even get that right. He can't even get falling into the guardrail. Right. He's happless, isn't he? Like he went down in stages. It's oh, it was bad. It was so bad. Anyway, Jimmy Hart does his best to compose Luger here, giving giving him some words of wisdom before uh, Luger rolls back into the ring. However, the, the break doesn't seem to have done the job as Bagwell hits a back body drop, followed up by a clothesline that mm. sends Luger to the mat. Bagwell then uh, hits Luger with a flying crossbody as both lads come bouncing back from the ropes. And as Bagwell goes for a follow-up splash, Luger manages to get the knees up to thwart Bagwell's momentum. And we head straight to the finish here. (laughs) So again, despite Luger looking second best throughout a contest, we kind of know where this is heading. Uh, So (laughs) firstly, Luger hits a a power slam on Bagwell before picking him up and locking him into the torture rack. Bagwell submits almost instantly. And then, as I say, he he allows the most glorified job man in the organisation to pick up the victory. Before Luger and Hart head into the back, Mean Gene wants a quick word with them both. Lex is unhappy as he believes he's the uncrowned WCW champion as he's had match or beaten a few times and then tells the audience to check out some footage. This never arrives though, does it? So we've got more technical issues with with footage on WCW. Um, But what I cracked up at here was Lex telling the audience that he's had Macho Man submit and then proceeds to explain what that means just in case we were unsure. So if you didn't already understand, lads, submit means to give up. (laughs) (laughs) Which we felt like doing many a time watching Lex Luger matches.
So it is Steve, big moment. We can't get him in tag team action and there's no uh, William Regal to be seen. But finally, at long last, we've got one of the blue buds. I know, in, uh, but it's not the right one. On, on fucking hell. I don't care about him. Fucking, <laughs> you I'm, don't I'm, care I'm, about no, I'm not asking about the Earl. No, I can't give two fucks. <laughs> Earl Regal. Regal, are you? Some people are never happy. Anyway, uh, Eaton's out. Eaton's out. He's dressed up as we all did back in the nineties, the height of nineties British fashion, in his uh, admiral's hat and, and, and blue robe. <laughs> what Horatio Nelson had turned up. <laughs> Finger on the pulse there. He's, he's, he's dragged out some little bloke with him. They call him Jeeves. Uh, he's he's got like a judge's wig on. They're really nailing it. This British gimmick, very real. Um, I thought to myself, in addition to all this, for the t- like a tag team we never see ever, like like ever, because this is the first yeah. time we've seen them. Yeah, why, we still why, haven't seen why, him, why, by the way. God, sorry. So uh, we still haven't seen him. I'm, uh, here's the lad. Why have they got a manager? This seems <laughs> like he's obviously not pretty good, is he? He hasn't doesn't get him any gigs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wage that don't need to be paid. I think they've been a bit frivolous <laughs> with the cash. Anyway, nevertheless, I'll tell you what: if uh, if if Bobby Eaton's smart ear, he can he can he can, he can quickly put that Pittman to cover for the bed. Pittman, you can have Jeeves. Jeeves, Jeeves got to start doing more for this money. Manage Pittman. <laughs> anyway, not long after this, Sting follows him out. He's got, he's got his Tiger face paint on this week because, of course, Tigers are, for all you, you nature lovers out there, going to know Tigers are well known for their uh, their poisonous sting, aren't they? Um, <laughs> sting, he's, he's, he's walking to the ring and he's shouting, he's shouting, watch your step, but in the style of like a, a fruit salad on a market. Like, what? Watch your step. <laughs> so he's throwing out the watch. He's auditioning for Mary Poppins. He <laughs> drags out the watch. What? <laughs> <laughs> What's it even mean? <laughs> Get your mangoes. What is, what is he doing? What is he doing? Anyway. <laughs> Bongo then mentions this to Sting to knock the Great Britain right out of this guy. <laughs> what does that Bongo. mean? <laughs> Take a shit dog with you. Um, hey, he'll be he'll change his tune in about three weeks when that fucking dog is dressed in some fucking you know <laughs> British in inverted commas garb. He'll be all about it then. <laughs> yeah, he will. Uh, Eaton, it was obviously getting on at this stage. He uh, he seems athletic because he's running the ropes so in the ring. Doesn't look out of place, I don't think. He's um, puts up a good little show here, I thought Bobby Eaton did. Yeah. Enjoy the match. Eaton slowing the pace down, whacking Sting in the boat. Like 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 it looked legitimate. Like yeah. he's really punched him in the face. Uh, puts a few odds on. Uh, Sting, he's back in the fruit stand selling like the best of them <laughs> when he's getting in these, these particular holes. <laughs> Eaton, it's a great looking backbreaker to stifle a Sting comeback midway through. So the Earl receives... A hip toss, and though he rebounds to his feet straight away, mm. um, without forgetting to sell the hip though on the way up, he, always, he does remember that 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 man of detail. Well done, Bobby Eaton. I, I'm, I'm calling him by his old name here, aren't I? He's, he's old Robert Eaton, of course. Robert, well done, yeah. Robert Eaton. Um, 
He then, he then launches, he let the, the sting comes charging at him, Eaton turns around, launches Sting incredibly high, and he gets some serious verts on this uh, this particular launch before seamlessly dropping the knee to uh, nail the backbreaker as gravity lures the Stinger to the mat. Lovely stuff, superb. Eaton then goes up top to drop a flying knee. I have my doubts about this, though, from the get-go, if I'm honest. as high-flying, um, risky manoeuvres such as those don't strike me as befitting of an earl. <laughs> True. Anyway, Eaton misses. Sting makes a comeback, hits a Stinger splash, followed by the Scorpion Deathlock, and then the Earl taps out. Uh, I think you always knew the results, but I thought they arrived at the result in an entertaining way. Now, mm-hmm. Daft, no messing about, and uh, well done to all involved. Following this, there's a main gene interview because there wouldn't be a segment on the show without one. Uh, the highlight of the interview is when Mean Gene mentions it's the holiday season and he'd like to be horsing down a few eggnogs with a couple of friends <laughs> on a warm fire and it's going to be a pop out of me horsing down a few eggnogs. <laughs> it sounds like something that might have been in Goldust's list of requests that he sent to Razor. <laughs> Get them eggnogs horse down, binging around that fire. <laughs> if he revolves around the triangle match at Starcade, and Gene asks Sting about his opponents, Sting calls back to previous beef with Flair. He says, with no context, that he thinks the whole world knows Sting won't forget what Flair did to those little kids out there. Um, this is like the SummerSlam 92 moment of, of WCW. This, and they talk about it all the time, seemingly years after what happened. And, you know, you just expect it to, to follow. It's, part, it's just part of this. You just want to know something happened with kids and they keep alluding to it. In this, I don't have a clue what it means. No. It just sounds bad. Obviously, Give us some yes. more information. <laughs> yeah, this is, this, is, this is an instance where some information is a lot worse than enough information. <laughs> <laughs> we need the full picture because it doesn't look good. Um, <laughs> Um, and then we wrap this up. Sting refers to his best friend Lex Luger as that full title best friend Lex Luger. Sting's not happy that the package for some reason or other. And then Sting says he'd love to be the champ. And tell us something we did in Austin. Of course you would. Okay, so up next it's main event time, and it's another Macho Man title defense. Uh, this week, he's going up against the Giants. I mean, this has been a ruthless title reign, this, isn't it? It's, it seems like he's putting this belt up every week. Yeah, poor man. Um, and we're told here that, you know, if he retains it tonight, the belt, uh, Macho's going up against Ric Flair next week. So he's got something else to look forward to. All the A-listers. And then the week after is Starcade, so he's he's going to be absolutely knackered here by the end of this, uh, by the end of 95, Macho Man. Don't get this with Hogan, do you? He's not putting the belt on the fucking line every week. Hogan had one, one defence against the boss man, didn't he, is all we saw. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> if I remember rightly. Correct. Yeah, I think you're right, though, Jim. Does what he wants, though, isn't he? <laughs> That's what we well know. <laughs> Free reign to do what he wants. <laughs> Um, Macho, uh, he, he enters and he comes out to a, a cracking reception from the crowd uh, and it's at this point comms mentioned that Hulk Hogan is in the arena but hasn't been seen tonight in a move that no way signals what is to come during this match <laughs> I mean I think we've talked about this before the, the comms here they, they, they must they must have the worst poker faces going you know they just, they just love spoiling surprises don't they Hulk Hogan's in the arena guys but we, we haven't seen him yet so you know, who knows what's going to happen 
How Jesus do you know? Christ. How do you know he's in the arena if you haven't seen? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> car, car, car crash from the comms team. They just can't help themselves. <laughs> they really can't. <laughs> These two size each other up early on in this one with the Giant missing on a few occasions to lock up with Macho. Macho finally uh, locks in a sleeper hold but the Giant is able to toss him over his shoulders before landing some big shots to Macho who tries very strangely to pick the Giant up. <laughs> Don't know why he's going for that. Um, anyway, the Giant continues the dominant display early on as he effortlessly throws Macho Man around the rink before landing a big scoop slam and locking in the traditional bear hug we usually get. We cut to the break um, and then when we come back, Macho is trying to get back into this one. He's hitting consecutive clotheslines, but the seven-foot Colossus just won't go down. And as Macho bounces back off the ropes to try one more clothesline, the Giant catches him and lands a massive backbreaker. Mm. The match then spills to the outside, but we don't hang around here too long as the Giant displaying his impressive physicality. He picks Macho up in the press slam position and throws him back into the ring. Something very bizarre then takes place. And no, Goldust doesn't make an appearance. <laughs> but the giant decides to head up to the top turnbuckle and cuts an ungainly figure here. He tries to carefully walk the top rope. He nearly wow. falls before he intends to and then misses with a very clumsy-looking splash. Fair play to trying something different, but it, it didn't look it didn't look pretty, did it? Like an elephant in a tree. <laughs> I got I just got the image of uh, do you remember John Sargent on Strictly Come Dancing? Just that kind of like <laughs> What, what are you doing? <laughs> so out of place. Get down from the top rope. <laughs> what an idiot. Macho capitalises on this mistake from the Giant and he heads straight to the top turnbuckle himself and hits the traditional diving elbow drop. The crowd are in raptures. It's surely over. One, two, but no, the Giant kicks out and throws Savage off a couple of feet in the air. Uh, and, and Bischoff composed this to a loaf of bread. I don't know what he, he meant yeah, by that, but... That was... No. Who knows, though? Um, You're not always throwing your bread around your kitchen, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm missing a trick. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do. I was very confused by that. How else you get in the toaster? <laughs> <laughs> what a bonehead. Uh, the giant... <laughs> what are you doing? I'm making sandwiches. What? Not like that. <laughs> Yeah, just tossing the hovis around the kitchen like you do. <laughs> um, where, where am I here? The giant then uh, delivers a, a drop kick to, to, to Macho, which knocks him out of the ring and to the floor. Uh, and while outside the ring, the giant removes one of the mats uh, with the intention of suplexing Macho onto the concrete. I don't know why. Surely that's a DQ. You're going to lose the match. You've moaned about not getting your title shot and you know, you're know you very willing here to just chuck it all away. <laughs> However, regardless of this, once Macho's mid-air in the suplex, he, he manages to lock his leg on the top rope uh, and then this this foils the giant in, in the suplex and it's the giant that hits the concrete. But this, this doesn't knock the giant too much out of his stride because he simply just gets up off the floor here. He rolls into the ring. He grabs Macho around the throat and delivers the choke slam. Comms are chirping away here that they've got a new champion, but instead of pinning Savage and winning the match, the giant decides to bounce off the rope and hit a leg drop before going for the cover. While this is going on, the crowd are going wild in the background and... As comms have beautifully called before the match kicked off, Hogan is making his way down to the ring, cheer in hand, he slides in, he interrupts the pinfall by hitting Giants over the back with the cheer. And you'd think the bell would ring here straight away, you know, to, to, to tell us of the disqualification, sure. but 
No, it doesn't. Uh, Hogan then goes on to attack the referee, Randy Anderson, uh, before hitting the Taskmaster and then levering the giant once more with the chair. This time the bell finally sounds and the lads on comms state that Hogan could be in trouble because he's currently on probation. I mean, going off Fleur's antics over the past couple of weeks, a uh, fellow wrestler on probation. Uh, it pro- yeah, it, it, it probably means that Hogan's just going to be fine. He'll be probably wrestling next week if, if, yeah. if, if we can go off uh, Fleur's behaviour over the, the last couple of weeks. Mongo heads down from the comms uh, box to try and sort the situation out with uh, Will Perry by his side. And another another lad who didn't get, in the, who didn't get the name of this this chap. I don't know if you lads did. No. This anonymous fellow is, is hit over the head with a chair by Hogan uh, before Mongo and Perry <laughs> fail miserably with their attempts to calm Hogan down. See when Perry fell over. Yeah. Oh, I missed yeah, that. No, I didn't. The fridge tripped over. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, he's, he's had a nightmare this uh, this episode, <laughs> Perry. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guilty. I've missed that. His uh, his power cable wasn't long enough, was it? <laughs> <laughs> the crowd, are, are, like I said, they're loving this. They're chanting Hogan's name. He's he's well over here uh, on this episode of Nitro. We're looking back on. On all of the of the Nitro episodes, what we've we've covered, this is probably the the best reception we, we've uh, we've heard for Hogan. That's what I thought. Yeah. While everyone takes a breather, we head to the break. So, of course, after something has happened on WCW Nitro, what else can we do but bring out a mangy in Auckland for a, for another interview? And here he comes with his mic, mic in hand. He's ready for the chat. He starts out this 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 latest interview. He's he's got Hulk Hogan in the ring with him. He's got uh, Macho Man in there. He starts out the interview by saying, "We're going to try and make some sense out of all the carnage." This made me check the time remaining on the show, and with only six and a half minutes remaining, I thought, "Fucking hell, they're going to have a job on their hands here after what we've just seen." <laughs> Hogan kicks it off. He starts babbling on about probation. He doesn't express his point very clearly as per but I think he was saying he doesn't care about getting suspended I think that was a gist of what he was saying at this point the giant then interrupts him we pan back up the gangway the giant has returned he's shouting in cartoon super villain voice Hogan (laughs) over and over again Um, he's got the taskmaster all in one hand he's got Craig Pittman holding the other which was bizarre because when have they been associated (laughs) Um, got a whole stable. Will you be my manager? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? what was the Taskmaster said, "Yeah, what do you think? I'll be travelled." Yeah, give us an hand with Hogan first. We'll sort it. <laughs> so there's a development to keep an eye on. Um, they keep hold of uh, these two idiots. Keep hold of the giant's hands for locking up. They hold him at the top of the, the gangway. Hogan still got his chair in his hand comes comes running up there they keep hold of the giant right up until the point Hogan arrives with the chair so the giant is defenceless <laughs> can't protect Hogan. himself he can't do anything Hogan swats him in the head with the chair he's making himself look like complete buffoons you know wouldn't it to be a manager Pittman you fucking idiot you absolute goof He's taking these chair shots uh, straight oh, on, isn't he? Know, uh, the Giants. Like, don't like when, it. When, when Hogan hits uh, the Taskmaster, at least he gets his hands up to try and yeah, you know, covers it. curb know. some of the force. But the Giant's taking these I full know. on, isn't he? On, on the bonds. Yeah, yeah full, like full, full flush in the noggin. Mm. 
Yeah, the mids look even stupider then. As you said, Liam, uh, Taskmaster, he does take a whack of the chairs as Pittman. So the lads who then enabled the giant to be <laughs> their own, their main source of protection to be <laughs> to be felled with a big chair shot, they then get battered for the chair. Yeah. Um, I thought pure heel moves from Hogan, though, because surely he doesn't need a fucking metal chair to beat up these bozos, does he? This is it. Not at all. And for a supposed, you know, the, the giant, I can sort of, you know, sort of see a bit, but then it, you know... Let's not forget he killed him by chucking him off of, uh, the roof after a monster truck off not long ago. Is it the ref of the chair? Is it a complete random with the chair? I mean, this is this is as heelish as it gets. This totally, surely he's gone totally. on the rampage with totally. with, with a <laughs> with a blunt instrument. Um, <laughs> back in the ring, we get more nonsense from Hogan. He um, he borrows Macho's catchphrases throughout this, but then it's openly hostile towards Macho Man and I know says he wants no sense. to take his title. Yeah, I just this is this is just fucking just classic Hulk Hogan promo. Yeah. He's a dick, and none of it makes any sense. <laughs> he even ventures so far, Hogan, as to suggest this probation stuff is the only thing preventing him from having the title shot. So again, he's you know completely undermining the idea that that Macho Man's a deserving champion. Yeah, it's 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 not the narrative that's been on the program either. So it appears that Hogan's gone into business for himself there, if you can believe he'd be yeah, so audacious yeah. as to do that. Classic Hogan just going off scripts as per usual. Like we got it with the uh, with the, with the, the macho uh, man elbow injury, which apparently is, yeah. is an injury when he told it wasn't. And now he's, he's saying that. It's exactly. just like textbook yeah, Hogan. That's, that's, that, no one has mentioned probation is stopping Hogan from having a title match door <laughs> and except it, him. And if that was the case, what he's just done tonight, surely... <laughs> Means that he's on probation for oh, a lot longer. Yeah, he's, he's got to be fired. That title shot is way out of the question now. <laughs> Fucking yeah, ridiculous. I fully expect never to see Hulk Hogan on Nitro again after this. <laughs> yeah. It's the last we'll see of him. If that committee have any teeth, <laughs> <laughs> they've got they back themselves into a corner. <laughs> you can't be on that probation. What standards are you setting? <laughs> totally right. Um, anyway, Macho lays out. All, Macho gets to go on the mic. By the way. Um, Macho lays out all the difficulties that lay before him. If he, he says if he clears all these hurdles, he's got the triangle match. He's got Ric Flair next week. If he clears all those hurdles, then he'll give Hogan the title shocks. Of course, Hogan's deserved one for whatever reason. Um, Hogan then takes the mic back and he asks the crowd if they like to see Hogan a match of a match because he's he's desperate for attention. He loves a cheap pop. And then Hogan then pitches us back to Combs by having a go at Mongo in the fridge for trying to derail his, his rampage with a chair earlier. And when we're back on comms, fucking Mongo, spineless Mongo, he, um, he starts sucking up to Hogan, little shitbag. He's, tr- he's trying to claim he was the hero, said he was saving from Hogan from making the biggest mistake of his life. And then I bet Hogan at that point was thinking he wishes Mongo was around when uh, the day he was caught, he was filmed on camera shagging Bubba the Love Sponge's wife. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, we had Night Raw for the week. Allegedly. So that was the December 18th, 1995 edition of WCW Monday Nitro. Well, now let's see what we all made of it. My ratings builders are... Build number one. 
Macho Man on fire. This was just a champion's performances from, from Macho. I thought he put on just an incredible, incredible match. I think it's tricky with Giant in the current state that he's, it's, he's, he's clearly a bit confused as to what he's supposed to be and do. Um, and Macho, I thought, just made this. It was just so compelling. Really enjoyed it. It's the best Giant match we've seen so far for me by a long way. And it was just all just soured by how he was just sort of sidelined once again by the inevitable Hulk Hogan entrance towards the end. Build number two, Ric Flair. Just He was just the perfect heel here. He did everything that you could want and more. He showed his nasty side. He made sure the crowd didn't get behind him by doing that. He got Eddie over massively. He really sort of played up and you saw the shock and sort of anger and confusion in his eyes when Guerrero started taunting him back much to the crowd's delight. It just built the whole thing. Just what an absolute grade A top level talent that we just, you know, it's it's been a joy going and seeing Flair in his prime. Going back and watching this, it's just incredible. And build number three. I thought a return to form for Bobby Heenan tonight. He was sharp, entertaining, Provided with some decent bits of information, like, you know, match contextual and stuff. After a few weeks of being a bit off his game, I thought he was back with a bang this week. Well done, Bobby lad. Liam, what were your Nitro ratings builders? Builder number one on Nitro for me this week was the opener, Ric Flair and Eddie Guerrero. Um, something to grab the audience uh, audience's attention straight away. Mm. Um, two wrestlers that have featured heavily, two wrestlers that we've praised regularly on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, I like the fact that Eddie didn't tap when in the figure four. Yeah. There could be certainly more to come from this. It had that feel that it could be pushed as a main event. And when you when you look at Raw and what they're offering for an opener, <laughs> it's like years apart, isn't it? So, um, yeah, brilliant to, to open the show with. Builder number two, I'm going to go the main events. I think, as you've pointed out, Steve, I think this was the best match we've seen the Giant involved in. Macho Man was, you know, textbook Macho Man in, in the ring. Wasn't pretty for the Giants. I did mention that when I covered the, mm. the match, but at least he's trying something different. It was it was good to see him. Uh, when, you, when you're a brute like this, it's good to it's good to demonstrate that in the ring rather than just burr hug someone for, for five or six minutes. Uh, so hopefully, you know, maybe a, a tiny step in the right direction for the Giants. And building number three, I've got Medusa jumping ship. When, when you're going up against the, the formidable WWF to see a, a rival switch companies and then mock the former employer on the on the show by dumping the belt. I thought that was uh, that was worth tuning in for. Lovely stuff. And uh, Jim, what were your Nitro ratings builders? This is a full house from me, uh, Flavio Guerrero. Not much more I can uh, add to that. What you used to have said, really. I just want a match to have on, given away for free, done superbly well, and uh, yeah, what you'd expect from those involved. Yeah, lovely. Uh, Building number two, I've gone for Earl Roberts. Oh, Robert Eaton, <laughs> fantastic display from him. Uh, he looked the real deal, showed he was uh, capable of hanging with the best of them despite his best years being behind him. I uh, wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of, of El Robert Eaton in there. And finally, builder number three, no doubt tip my hat to him before in this form, but I'm going to do it again because he, he was impressive tonight, was uh, Mean Gene. He graphs hard <laughs> on the programme, as we always say, and he definitely makes it better. Love his shtick. Horsing down a few eggnogs. Absolutely first class. <laughs> <laughs> and over to the killers. My ratings killers were... Killer number one. Giant doing things that make him look like a complete dunderhead fool. Or doing things that only a lesser wrestler should be doing. Or doing things that he should be doing only once in a blue moon. I.e. at a massive pay-per-view, like going up to the top rope or doing a massive drop kick. Not... 
you know, every week on Nitro. Just, oh, it's painful, painful at the moment with him. Kill number two. That's all Hogan in it. I mean, just dollars dishwater. And killer number three. This show also had a dark match. Allow me to inform you of the participants. Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater taking on the Blue Bloods, Earl Robert Eaton and Lord Stephen Pissing Regal. He was here he was on, on the same show. Yeah, but I didn't get to fucking see him. Kid hell. This is, this is getting ridiculous, this. Oh, this is brilliant. Absolutely At least ridiculous. to get the money out of Jeeves. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Liam, how about you? What were your Nitro ratings, killers? The top of the killers list for me for uh, Nitro, uh, number one, is the absurd suggestion that wrestlers being on probation is a serious consequence. <laughs> we, we've seen Ric Flair interrupting match after match. He's, he's been hitting people with brass knucks. He killed Mr. Wonderful last week. <laughs> Zero consequences. Uh, Hogan's come out tonight. He's hitting everything over the head with a cheer. We know nothing's going to come of it, so why bring it up? Killer number two, I'm going to go for William the Refrigerator Perry. <laughs> uh, he, he was brought in as a security guard for the comms table, was uh, was Mr. Perry, uh, but he didn't do a good job, did he? Uh, <laughs> I mean, Craig Pittman waltzed past him to have a word with Heenan. <laughs> Hogan didn't bat an eyelid when he went down to calm down situations. Uh, he fell over, which I've only just found out. Hogan then ridiculed him on the mic. I think the uh, I think the P forty five is uh, is incoming here for Mister Perry. He's not going to be asked to to come back next week and do a do a security job. Shock shocker this week for Perry. And killer number three is Chris Benoit a, a horseman or what? What is going on? <laughs> it's a good like, point. They, they, they mentioned him again today. They mentioned him. They mentioned him being part of this lineup on comms again, and he was nowhere to be seen. He was nowhere to be seen last week when we had three of the four on. So ages. why reveal? Why reveal that he's part of this stable so early? Yeah. If they're not going to do anything with him, like it's it's completely it's bonkers. I, I can't get my head around it. It's <laughs> yeah. just like a waste, isn't it? You're just guessing week on week. Charles Barkley's had more appearances with the man. <laughs> yes. NBA, let's see. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> six six weeks ago, we were told that, oh, that Benoit was uh, a new member of the Horsemen, and, we, and we've yet to see him w- with them. So. Yeah, that's that, that's 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 becoming annoying as well. Yeah, ridiculous. Jim, how about you? What were your natural ratings killers? Yeah, I've got one for you, lads. This is this is what it's all about in it on these these type of shows. You want you want a bit of controversy, you want a bit of a uh, bit of debate. I've got I've got one for you. Go this on. is gonna it's Go gonna on, blow man. your mind. It's gonna blow your mind. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 convinced. Killer number one. This is a it's Medusa dropping the belt in the bin. Oh, okay. I've gone there, right? Mm. The reason being, so obviously this is a significant moment in wrestling history, and um, you know, by far and away the biggest of the of the statements made during the Monday Night Wars today. Widely credited with starting being the spark that ignited the flame. Indeed, indeed. Um, But this was just so forced. I thought it was just so crammed in, shoe on in. So surely, right. If you're making a big deal, you've, you've acquired this. You've acquired the the women's champ from from the, the main competitor. Surely have to win a match first on the telly. Do you know what I mean? She yeah. comes out to start the program, gives this emotionless promo, and then yeah. drops the belt in the rubbish bin. Like she wouldn't have had time to talk on the, the show had had she not agreed to put the belt in the bin. Do you know what I mean? It, it almost felt as part of that. That's it, 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 obviously I don't know if that was a stipulation, but it, it, it felt like it was like 
I'll come out, drop this belt in the bin and have this talking bit. And it's like, if, if you weren't going to do a goal so far as be so outlandish that you probably wouldn't have got the big promo on there. Yeah. I said, it's not making it appear to be this big deal, are they? Or the fact they've lured away from WWF. She's not made out to be a big star. It's just, yeah. she's there to put the belt in the bin for the, that statement. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And like, I don't know how long you're going to see her, how often you're going to see her in the future. But yeah, it's, I don't know. Is she going to be a big deal in the programme? That's the whole reason why she was there. If she wasn't going to do that, she wouldn't have been there, would she? That's why totally. you just know for a fact she no, wouldn't have been opening the show. Yeah. I like the statement they were making, but like you said, though, it was, it was done, it was done poorly, wasn't it? So. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I felt that way. Agreed, Jim. <laughs> well, we'll carry on with the killers then. These, these two are a bit more um, in line. Uh, Hogan's constant attempt to undermine Macho Man is killer number two. So, yeah. like, it's 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 fine, Hogan, for you to be on the telly and not be the champion. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Why not have him in an angle with someone else, like, as an aside to the title or something? I don't know, like, spread the interest about a bit more instead of getting everyone involved and just Completely. doing the same shit week after week. And killer number three is Mongo getting his friends on the program. Um, so with the, with the fridge running about, getting TV time at the expense of actual wrestlers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just unacceptable for me though it was it was comedy when he fell over in that shambles at the end <laughs> yeah worth it for that Well, having let all of that sink in, let's see which show we thought deserved to take the victory in the ratings battle this week. Liam, which show got the lost Liam Spanish seal of approval this week? If you ask someone totally neutral to watch both episodes and then you ask them the question, which company went out of business, (laughs) they would definitely say WWF. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I said it earlier on, I can't believe WWF have come back from this, like... It is. It's in dire straits at the moment for me. It's it's easily nitro this week as it has been for the past couple of weeks. Jim, same question to you, which gets the uh, the nitpickers stamp of approval. You couldn't possibly if it be of sound minds and suggest Raw was the best <laughs> show there. It would be a farce. <laughs> no disagreement for me whatsoever. Absolute shocker, Raw this week. Pretty good nitro actually. So dead easy one. Well, that's what we think, but what did the American public think in 1995? Over to the golden envelope. Raw 2.3. Nitro 2.7. A resounding and well-deserved win for Nitro there, which means the scores are 7-6 in WCW's favour as we head into the festive holidays. Big. It's really big. Well, all that's left to say is farewell, so it's goodbye from us all. Thank you all so much for listening, and until next time, this has been the Monday Night Scores.
Fatu dances his way around the ring on entry and gets referee our favourite Tim Patrick to join in. And Tim Patrick dances exactly as you'd expect Tim Patrick to dance. Appropriately, very white. But Fatu... <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> I was really pleased with that. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Tim Patrick? Yes, it's Tim White, innit, that we call Tim Patrick. No. No? No. No, Nick, Nick Patrick. Oh, Nick Patrick. Patrick. Oh, no, I've done it. <laughs> yeah, I see. It's, it's, it's an easy mistake to make, isn't it? <laughs> I see that a mystery there as he switched. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I did the same. I checked my notes to see if I was on the wrong show. <laughs> oh, so Tim Patrick's jump ship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bollocks. First big move of the, the Monday Night Wars. First yeah. big move. It took Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Swap Patrick for uh, Medusa. Swap Patrick yeah, before Medusa's gone. <laughs> what a trade. Oh, shit. I was so pleased with myself for the gag as well. <laughs> I said he danced really white. Right, bollocks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've changed that. Oh, you should have you just blanked that and let me fuck it up. It would be hilarious. Um... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> it's an easy mistake to make. Say it, it's so easy. <laughs> yeah. All right, sorry. I've been there. I know exactly what you're going for. <laughs> <laughs> right, come on. Okay. <clears throat> Fatu dances his <clears throat> Fatu dances his way around the ring on entry and gets referee Tim White to join in. And Tim <laughs> And Tim White dances exactly as you'd expect Tim White to dance, but Fatu kindly doesn't rinse him. He has a nice time and we move on. We kick He's off with not some very fly for a white guy. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> I, I, that's exactly, trying to tell us. That's a, I, hey. That is correct. <laughs> 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 Come on. We're back. <laughs> what a debacle. What a debacle of kicks. <laughs> Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 